I had a marvelous time at the University of Pittsburgh last night. Our debate on the topic of transgenderism hosted by ISI was able to take place despite protests from leftist students, administrators, state legislators, and many other people. My debate partner, Professor Donald McCloskey, dropped out at the last minute, but we found an able substitute in Brad Palumbo. The moderator, my friend Leah Labresco Sargent, raised excellent questions, and the room was filled to capacity. Given the countless obstacles put up to stop this debate, I thought it turned out great, and you can catch the whole thing on the ISI YouTube channel. But, but, then I saw some coverage of the event from a left-wing Pitt student. The student wrote, quote, Pitt protest of Michael Knowles remained peaceful. And as great as I think the whole thing came off, that, that's not exactly true. For those who weren't there, the leftist protesters set off explosives, they blocked the entrance, and they burned me in effigy. The attendees were forced to sit in the room for hours after the event because the rioters outside were so violent and threatening. But this is what conservatives have come to expect on campus. Conservatives who speak common sense are called violent, and the leftists who try to attack us are described as mostly peaceful. A sign, I'm sorry to say, of a mostly collapsed civil society. I'm Michael Knowles. This is The Michael Knowles Show. Welcome back to the show. Speaking of the the topic, the topic that we can never stop talking about. Men and women and transgenderism, the two spokesmen of transgenderism in our pop culture, uh, Dylan Mulvaney and Jeffrey Marsh, they've teamed up. I haven't even watched this whole uh, meeting of the minds. Uh, We will get to it, though. We will get to it later on in the show. First, though, speaking of attacks, another pro-life pregnancy center has been attacked. You may have heard about these attacks happening around the country. You certainly haven't heard about them in CNN or the New York Times or any of the establishment media. We've tried to cover it, though. There have been a lot of attacks by pro-abortion fanatics on pro-life pregnancy centers, on crisis pregnancy centers. So one in Bowling Green, Ohio, was spray-painted with messages saying, fund abortion and abort God. This was uh, claimed by Jane's Revenge, which is one of these radical pro-abortion groups that keeps keeps attacking the pro-life centers. So I mentioned this not not even to call attention to another pro-life center being attacked. That's not exactly a man bites dog story, I'm sorry to say. That's been happening pretty regularly. But the language here tells you what you need to know. Ultimately, this is an attack on God. And no matter how much the secularists want to say, no, this has nothing to do with religion. This has nothing to do with metaphysical reality. It's just about women controlling their bodies. It's not. It's always, it's always coming back to God. It's always coming back to good or evil. It's always coming back to doing the right thing or doing the wrong thing. What we're talking about here, once you get past all of the euphemisms, is you're talking about human sacrifice. You're talking about the mass sacrifice of babies and the people who are really, really into that, I know the, the moderate liberal secularists will be shocked to hear this. The people who are really into the mass slaughter and sacrifice of babies, they tend to have some pretty specific, pretty dark spiritual ideas. And no one should be surprised when you, when you find slogans like abort God. 
vandalized on, onto these pro-life pregnancy centers. No one should be surprised when there are self-described practicing witches and Satanists who are just always hanging around the, the Planned Parenthood clinics. So strange. All around the country, you always see these same kinds of people. How eccentric. What a coincidence. It's not a coincidence. It always comes back to these fundamental things. Now, speaking of pregnancy, this, this might be even crazier than the bizarre Satanist vandals. Uh, the FDA has just categorized pregnancy as an illness. So the FDA is rushing to give approval to an abortion drug, Mifeprex. And in order to get the approval for Mifeprex, the FDA had to argue that the drug treats a life-threatening illness so they could fast-track the approval in the same way that they fast-track the approval for drugs that treat cancer and HIV. What's the life-threatening illness here? According to the FDA, it's pregnancy. It's life. It's just not an illness. It's not, it's, it's the center of society. It's the center of human life. It's a wonderful thing. It's not, not a sickness. There was a South Park joke on this. I remember it years ago. I can't remember the exact episode, but Mr. Garrison, the teacher, is teaching sex ed to the kids, and he's telling them all about uh, various STDs. He says, and you know, the worst, most dangerous STD of all is called pregnancy. And that was a joke. And now that joke has become policy at the FDA because all of the things that were jokes 20, 30 years ago on The Simpsons, on South Park, on Family Guy, all those jokes are now just the society we're living in. Our society has become the joke which would be funny if it weren't so sad. If we didn't view life and procreation and the next generation of our families and countrymen as a disease to be avoided and treated with the life-saving drug that ends life with a life-saving drug, quote unquote, that kills people. Speaking of unaccountable agencies and sex, the United Nations has, has made a troubling statement This is the International Commission of Jurists with an assist from UN AIDS and the Office of the United Nations High Commissioner for Human Rights. They've said, quote, sexual conduct involving persons below the domestically prescribed minimum age of consent to sex may be consensual in fact, if not in law. Now, to translate all of that gobbledygook, what they're saying is maybe it's okay to have sex with kids. That's what that means. This is from a report titled The Eight March Principles for a Human Rights-Based Approach to Criminal Law Proscribing Conduct Associated with Sex, Reproduction, Drug Use, HIV, Homelessness, and Poverty. I think of Oren McIntyre, the commentator who's come on this show before, who has a meme that has gone viral. And it's a meme, speaking of The Simpsons, of a bus driver on The Simpsons saying, don't make me tap the sign. And the sign is just a tweet from Mr. McIntyre saying, it's not complicated. They just want to diddle kids. And I, I don't think that that's all of, of what the sexual revolution is about, but going way, way back, going back to the 1960s, going back to those weird essays by Bernie Sanders in the Vermont Freeman, in which he's writing a, a, about how awful it is that we don't sexualize children and going back to the, the bizarre sexual revolutions of even a little before the 1960s, even back to the days of the leftist intellectual Wilhelm Reich, the, the idea of orgones 
as being the, the essence of life and the way to cure poverty and cancer and war is to just have a lot of orgasms. I'm not making that up. The way that the libs keep constantly trying to sexualize kids in the schools, in the libraries, expose them to drag queens. There's a highly ideological component about it. But also, Mr. McIntyre might happen to be right. So, so what does this explain about our politics? Get to that in one second. First, though, we got to restore a little bit of balance you got to restore the balance of nature. Right now, go to balanceofnature.com. Use promo code Knowles. Living a healthy lifestyle is not always easy, especially when you are always on the go. You need simple, manageable routines to make sure you're getting the proper nutrition every day, which is why I'm a huge fan of Balance of Nature. Balance of Nature fruits and veggies are a great way to make sure you're getting essential nutritional ingredients every single day. Their capsules are packed with 100% whole food that you can take at any time. Balance of Nature uses a cold vacuum process that preserves the natural phytonutrients in whole fruits and vegetables and encapsulates them for easy consumption. Balance of Nature sent a bunch of their products down to the studio for our team to try. My only complaint is that these hyenas, these absolute jackals, just pull it apart before I even get to to get my hands on them. Uh, But that's a problem with my colleagues, not with Balance of Nature, okay? You go to balanceofnature.com, use promo code Knowles, get 35% off your first order as a preferred customer. Balanceofnature.com. Promo code Knowles, K-N-W-L-E-S, for 35% off your first preferred order. Why is the UN encouraging people to have sex with kids? I didn't believe it when I saw this come across Twitter. I said, this is one of those fake news articles where the conservatives, they, sometimes the conservatives are too quick to call people pedos in the same way that the Democrats are too quick to call people racist. But sometimes they're not too quick. Sometimes they just, they're just calling it like they see it. And so I, I look it up and it's being reported in the news. The UN saying, well, maybe sometimes sex with kids is okay. In fact, if not in law. Okay, what's really going on here? What you're seeing play out is a battle that I've mentioned on the show before between two views of the law, two views of politics broadly. The traditional conservative view is that mankind is a unity of body and soul, of course, but our defining feature is intellect and will. We have an intellect uh, such that we can reason about things. We can come to certain true conclusions. We can uh, ascertain objective truth and our will that we can act upon our desires in the world. And when society is going well, when our personal lives are going well, our will and our intellect are in accord with one another. So we're not just being drawn on the gusts of our base passions and our appetites and our lower will. But, but we, are, we are using our reason to figure out how we're supposed to behave. So you say, okay, I've had three cookies. I'm not going to grab the fourth cookie from the cookie jar, even though my, my appetite wants it. I am going to have a tummy ache, so I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Intellect and will working together. The, lift, the left severs those two things. So the left says, yeah, maybe the baby's a baby, but I, I want to kill the baby because the baby's inconvenient for me, so I'm going to ignore my intellect. I'm going to I'm going to pursue a politics of pure will. Yeah, obviously, a dude in a dress is not actually a chick. We all know that. People, we're not even going to try to make the argument that the man is really a woman. Uh, We're just going to go into the ladies' room, and we're going to follow our will, intellect be damned. And you see this time and time again. This is why the conservatives engage in civil discourse, and they have all sorts of debate, and they're very, very polite. Even the liberal kinds of conservatives tend to be fairly polite. We saw this at the debate last night 
Whereas the leftists pull out of the debate and they shriek and they set off smoke bombs outside and they burn me in effigy and they yell and they scream when Donald Trump gets elected. They don't, they don't explain why this is not the best outcome for the country. What do they do? They pull their hair out and they go, no, and they, they shriek like banshees. That is a politics of pure will. And that's what you're seeing with a lot of the weird kid stuff, okay? There's no way to make a a good argument that we should further sexualize little children. There's no way to make a good argument that that drag queens should be permitted to twerk in the elementary schools or that we should pump little kids full of cross-sex hormones. So the the libs are pushing for this for for various reasons, some ideological and some I fear a little more uh, libidinous, some a little bit more licentious. Uh, But it doesn't matter to them, intellect be damned, they're going to do what they want to do. You actually see this in, in the, the infamous pornographer philosopher Marquis de Sade. Marquis de Sade, from whom we get the word sadism and sadistic. The Marquis de Sade, who is a very intelligent guy, says, look, if there is no God, if there's, if there's no real virtue or vice, if there's no, it doesn't matter. If I'm not going to acknowledge the moral reality, then why is your pain any more important than my pleasure? Why can't I just do whatever the hell I want? And this is why his pornography philosophy is so interesting, because it's both of those things. The most famous one is 120 Days of Sodom, which starts out as a kind of titillating, licentious book and quickly becomes uh, full of torture and (laughs) the infliction of pain, murder, and all sorts of, of evil things, because why not? Why not? If, if we're denying the intellect, if we're denying reason, if we're only pursuing the will, why not follow the will wherever it wants to go? Speaking of the sexual revolution, big news out, according to an article making it around the internet. Who knows if it's true? I assume most scientific articles are complete bunk. I'm Dr. Fauci really diminished my respect for the science. But according to this news report, male contraception could be getting closer and closer thanks to a new genetic discovery. It's been a long road, but new findings could bring us one step closer to an elusive birth control pill for men. My question, in what world is this good? How is the, what is good about this? We've got a dying population. We've got plummeting rates of marriage. We have a a hookup culture that is so perverse that it spurred a Me Too movement because uh, we no longer know how to speak about uh, sexual propriety. And so everything has to be either totally wonderful hunky-dory or rape. That's That's how confused people are now about sex. Abortion is prevalent. Women are being left high and dry. In what world is this good? It would seem to me that if we want to save our civilization, we need significantly less birth control. We need more conception and much less contraception. But even if we live in a world that's going to tolerate contraception because the Supreme Court invented a right to contraception twice in 1965 and in 1972, they they found an invisible ink in the Constitution, the, the right to condoms or whatever. As contraception exists today, women can take a pill, they can put a patch on, it pumps them full of hormones, probably not great in the long run, but they can do that. They're in control here. Or people can use condoms. 
In what world is this good to not only introduce a new type of contraception, but, but have that contraception be totally within the domain of men? So men have the power now over contraception. Doesn't, doesn't that seem, doesn't, wouldn't that seem by every measure, by the conservative measure, by the liberal measure, by the feminist measure, wouldn't that seem counterproductive? It would to me. There's no coherence. There's no logic. But gets to what we were talking about at, at that uh, abortion activism group that, that went out and vandalized the pro-life center. These things don't have to make sense. Gets to what we're talking about with the intellect. These things don't have to make sense. The left has a goal in mind. And they will pursue that goal and they'll change the arguments all the way. The left wants to destroy marriage. And so they're going to destroy marriage by making an argument for gay rights. And they're going to say, well, there's two sexes and people are born this way and your sexual orientation is totally immutable. And so we've got to redefine marriage to include same-sex unions, monogamous unions. Okay. But also uh, everything about sex is fluid and men and women don't really exist and transgenderism is true. And that's the reason we've got to attack marriage. So hold on, weren't you just making this other argument? Yeah, whatever, don't, who cares? We've got to upend traditional norms of society uh, because women are so important that we're going to have a feminist culture. Uh, but actually, no, now we're going to go into a gender thing and we're going to deny that women exist. We're going to rewrite all the civil rights laws and protections for women. Uh, but yeah, whatever. The result's going to be the same, which is we're going to upend our traditional culture. Doing the same thing here. Now, speaking of that revolution, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis is being protested uh, by lots of shrieking leftists. I think you're seeing a theme here. And uh, some of the phrases they're yelling are, we say gay and DC don't like fascists. Okay, no, nothing particularly interesting about, about this demonstration. We've heard this a zillion times before. Last night, when we were trying to begin our debate at Pitt, a handful of students stood up, the ones who made it into the venue, stood up and just started screaming, trans lives matter, trans lives matter. And they, these people only know like 14 words or something. So they just, it's a, maybe, let's see, they, they, uh, 14 words would be like two or three phrases. That's not fair. Maybe they've got three or four phrases. Let's, let's bump it up to 21, 22 words, but that's it. You're a fascist. Hate is not welcome here. Trans lives matter. That, that's not particularly interesting. What's interesting though for the DeSantis campaign is that he is getting these protests at all. This is really great news for him. The biggest weakness of the DeSantis campaign right now is that Trump's taken all the fire and DeSantis, by virtue of just not being Donald Trump, is getting more support from more establishment type figures. Not Ron DeSantis' fault. That's just the way it's shaken out because he's the not Trump guy in the race. So the more protests he gets, the more attacks that he gets, the better off he is going to be. This election, as I've said now for some time, is going to be an opposition election. We are going to judge the candidates by their enemies. When Donald Trump launches his reelection bid by saying, I am your retribution, that tells you what the tone of this campaign is going to be. And fair enough, these are the people who are vandalizing the pro-life centers, who are setting off explosives and burning conservatives in effigy simply for having a, a debate over the, the role of the law when it comes to transgenderism. These are the people who burned our country down for eight months during the BLM riots. These are the people who locked our country down and kept pushing to keep our country locked down. This is a politics that is increasingly unreasonable. 
And so we're not going to have a positive, edifying, productive campaign about how we can build upon some of and meet in the middle and take the best points from the other side. No, this is an opposition campaign. The libs have completely lost it. They're burning the country down. Whoever the libs hate the most, that's going to be my guy. (laughs) That's going to be a good sign that that's the right candidate. Now, speaking of death, we're all going to die someday. You're going to die sooner than you think. It's why you got to check out Epic Will. Right now, go to epicwill.com slash Knowles. There are certain things in life you can do to protect your family. You get life insurance, you save for a rainy day fund, and you write a will. Epic Will is not for people who are already wealthy with a massive estate. Those people need an attorney. Epic Will is for people who are building their estate. It's for people who are just getting started. Epic Will provides a simple and secure platform to create a legally binding will in minutes. Their user-friendly interface allows you to easily customize your will and ensure that your assets are distributed according to your wishes. Unlike traditional law firms that charge high fees for will drafting, Epic Will's services are affordable and transparent with no hidden costs or surprises. All you need to do is fill out their step-by-step form. They will help you create your last will and testament, living will, health care, and financial power of attorney in as little as five minutes and for just 119 bucks. Having a will can ensure that your wishes are carried out after you die may provide peace of mind for both you and your loved ones. Do the responsible thing. Take care of your money and your stuff. Most importantly, your kids. Go to epicwill.com slash Knowles to save 10% on Epic Will's complete will package. Epicwill.com slash Knowles. Speaking of politicians and re-election, George Santos, one of the more eccentric Republicans out there, George Santos, who lied about his educational background and his professional background and may have been indicted in Brazil. And he's got a lot of, maybe lied about his sexual identity and maybe his religion. I don't know, whatever. He Actually, the religion point in George Santos's defense is has been misinterpreted by the media because George Santos said that he is Jewish, which is a little bit of a joke saying he's ethnically Jewish, but not uh, practicing Jew. And so whether or not he is actually ethnically Jewish, that is a real concept. That's the, oh, there are plenty of things to attack George Santos for, but that line is not one of them. Well, George Santos, despite all of these setbacks. He is running for re-election. According to entrepreneur Josh Eisen, who is a top Santos donor, said many of us Americans are willing to accept all sorts of resurrection. Perhaps Representative George Santos will be another. So even with all of this crazy stuff that came out about Santos, some people are still backing him. And then the Democrats are looking at us and they're saying, look at you awful conservatives. You have no principles at all. You have no standards whatsoever. How can you defend this guy? My question is, what's the alternative? Do you have an alternative guy who's going to win that district in New York and help preserve the Republicans' razor-thin majority in the House? Do you have somebody else? Do you have proof that George Santos is significantly more disreputable than many other members of Congress and the Senate, disproportionately Democrats. He lied about his background. Did he lie about being a Native American when he was the whitest person in the world to get a job on the Harvard faculty? Did he lie for his whole career about that? No, he didn't. Did he lie about his educational background? Did he lie about, well, pretty much everything when we're talking about Joe Biden? Did he do that? Did he, oh, he's sexually a bit odd? Really? Okay, compare that to any Democrat these days. Did did he go twerk in elementary schools and libraries? Because that's the new standard I'm seeing set by the left. What's the alternative? We're supposed to say, no, you, listen, you, you're a dishonest politician. 
So we're going to kick you out and install another dishonest Democrat who's going to vote for killing babies and giving away America's political rights and opening up the border. And no, I don't think so. What's the alternative? Show me the alternative. I don't see it. Speaking of celebrities, Shaq has an important message for everybody, especially for people in the media, and that is don't call him a celebrity. I really love this story. I meant to get to it a couple days ago. Glad we can get to it now. Shaq is a very, very famous figure in sports, in media, in commentary. And Shaq just told People Magazine that he doesn't want to be a celebrity because celebrities are rude to people and obnoxious. He said, I denounced myself for being a celebrity 30 years ago because a lot of celebrities are a-holes. I don't want to be in that category. I'd rather demote myself to just being a regular person before you call me a celebrity and put me in the category of those jerk-offs. <laughs> I don't, I think I can say that on the air, right? So that seems relatively wholesome by our modern cultural standards. I don't like to work with celebrities because celebrities are crazy. So I just like to work with people. And he says, celebrities are crazy. They really are. Don't call me that anymore. These people are out of their freaking mind with how they treat people what they do, what they say. That's never been me. I never want to be looked at like that. So some people are going to look at this and say, oh, that's just false humility from Shaq. You're obviously a celebrity. You're super rich. You're super famous. He's not saying that he's not rich and famous. He's just rightly observing that celebrities often have all sorts of problems and look ridiculous. So when he says, oh, don't call me a celebrity. I just want to be a regular person. He's not even saying that... uh, for you or for me or for anybody else. He's, he's calling for that as a matter of self-preservation. And you see this throughout the ages. People get really dazzled by celebrity. People can become starstruck. But think about celebrities of ages past. Celebrity fades in a second. People who were super famous, admired, all we could talk about even five, 10 years ago, they're forgotten. And then they what? They become washed up. They become a punchline. And very often they're self-obsessed. Very often they are rude to people. Very often they are crazy. It's not even totally their fault. Celebrity is a weird thing. If if you've ever known a famous person and having lived in LA and being around politics, I've met a disproportionate number of famous people. They can go crazy. It's a very strange thing to have everybody admire you at once and come up to you and recognize you and treat you well and pick up the tab. If you don't protect yourself, that can really that can really warp your mind and your perception. And some of the famous people I've known have protected themselves better than others against it. So what Shaq is saying is, no, ultimately, celebrity doesn't mean anything. It's an illusion. And it's a deception. Don't fall for it. And that's so true. And it's, it's a lesson for all of us in this age, because we're in an age where everybody can have their 15 minutes of fame, because anybody can go viral on TikTok. And so it's a, it's a lesson for us. We've democratized celebrity now. And the success of this world can be very damaging to people's souls. It's a, it's a great bit of self-help from Shaq. That is not false modesty. I think that is looking at the world with a steely eye. Because if you or I have met a few famous people, think about all the famous ones Shaq knows. The man knows of what he speaks. Speaking of idol worship, did you know paganism is coming back? Good piece here in Commentary Magazine on the return of paganism. A spiritual crisis afflicting contemporary America has ancient and enduring roots, and so does the cure. I actually haven't had time even to go through uh, the entire piece, but it makes it a really important point, which is paganism is coming back. 
the paganism that you don't really notice, where you just start to worship money and you start to worship sex and you start to worship all the created things of this world celebrity and you don't really notice it. Also, overt paganism is coming back. (laughs) Also, steeped in tradition kind of paganism, nature worship, polytheism, that is coming back in a pretty conscious way as well. And the reason for this is that we've kicked Christianity out of the public square. And this has happened not only because of the faithlessness of, of the members in the church, but also because leftist activists have booted it out using the law, using political activism from the public square. So when you don't let kids learn the Bible in schools, when you don't let people pray in schools, when you instead, when you replace the Bible with pornography in schools, as we're seeing today, that's going to change people's formation. So everybody's got to serve somebody. But there, there's a, a priest who, who said that when he was in seminary, he, he was told by one of his teachers that if he should ever leave Christianity, he should become a pagan. And this wasn't just a cheeky line. The reason for this is paganism is at the very least tied to nature. And so I'm not advocating that anyone become a pagan, but it's got some connection to reality. And I think uh, a part of the rise of paganism, conscious and unconscious, is that we are living in a virtual world that is now imbued with, that that has been pervaded with this this silly ideology that that tells us that things that we know to be true are not true, that that a man is not really a man, he's a woman, that a baby is not really a baby, it's a clump of cells or whatever. We're living in a, a world where these ideologies can succeed because we're so divorced from the real world. We live in these little cubes and we insulate ourselves from nature and we even insulate ourselves from our own bodies. We can alienate ourselves from our own bodies through virtual reality, through social media, through the internet. And so there is an appeal, I think, to get back to something tangible, something old, something sturdy. Now, ultimately, that won't be enduring because even the physical world, even nature will pass away. It seems a lot sturdier than the fantasy virtual world that many people are living in now. But even this created world will pass away. So when you are looking for something, when when you're trying to fill the God-shaped hole in your heart, when you recognize that everybody's got to serve somebody, you've, you've got to go past that. Follow that desire that has led you to the kind of new paganism that's cropping up everywhere, but take it to the place that is enduring. Take it to the source that is outside of this finite world. Uh, take it Take it to he who will not, to him who will not pass away. If you're looking for something interesting to watch, check out our series, What We Saw, hosted by storyteller Bill Whittle. Season one is focused on Apollo 11. Now season two of What We Saw is in full swing. This time Bill has set his sights on the Cold War and the tension between two superpowers that lasted for 45 years. Episode six picks up with Dwight David Eisenhower's rise to popularity after World War II his reluctance to become president, and his unexpected anti-military and anti-war stance once he took office, which surprised a lot of people. Bill makes you feel like you were there witnessing history. New episodes of the Cold War have come out every week, but you've got to be a member to see it. Go to dailywire.com slash cold war to start watching. My favorite comment yesterday is from Nat Palazzo, who says, They need to do a game show where you get paid a million dollars to walk through Chicago for 24 hours, a bit like The Running Man. (laughs) That's a good idea and great for the producers because they'll never have to pay it out because you don't, unless unless they'll have to pay it to the estate 
of whoever takes up that challenge. Okay, can we now get to the story that really matters? Enough about what's going on in the elections and in our philosophy and in our schools. And no, we've got to get to what really matters. You know, Dylan Mulvaney. Dylan Mulvaney, the, the face of transgenderism. We didn't do this. Conservatives, we talk about him, but the libs picked this guy. The libs made this guy their spokesman. Conservatives didn't put him on the Bud Light can. Well, Dylan Mulvaney has teamed up with another transgender, transgender identifying activist, Jeffrey Marsh. Uh, so he's now teamed up with Dylan Mulvaney. I have not watched this whole thing. Gents, take it away. Do you have any relationship to the concept of girlhood? I absolutely do. I find girlhood to be inspiring. There are a lot of human beings who are girls who transcend what their gender is supposed to be. Yes. And that to me is something I draw strength from and excitement from. Absolutely. <laughs> and I hope this is the start of a lifelong friendship. What do you think, people? <laughs> I love you all. Okay. Oh, oh we got to do my signature. Okay. Okay, ready? Love ya! Two men describing their intimate experiences of girlhood, a thing about which they know nothing. It's so on the nose that you know this is just to troll us. And we've taken the bait, so there it is. We always take the bait. But What's most interesting about this video is not the, the, the part that everyone's talking about. Can you believe these two men are talking about girlhood? That's so ridiculous. How crazy. And then we get them more views. Most interesting part about this video is this is Dylan Mulvaney tipping his hand. Dylan Mulvaney has a meticulously crafted image as being just really nice and fun. He's just a really nice, fun guy. And all these, why are all these conservatives being so mean to me? And then he puts on a Broadway show, Rockefeller Center show, where he where he's just sitting there and he, he performs this crying routine where he says, well, everyone's so mean to me, but I just want to be my true self. And he, he, he assiduously uh, has crafted this character of, of someone who's just so innocent and vulnerable and he's not hurting anybody and he just wants to just be his true self and it just doesn't. And he, he takes away all of the references to the really darker sides of transgenderism. But then he does this video with Jeffrey Marsh whose character is an enactment exclusively of the dark sides of transgenderism, of the wrath that is associated with this kind of movement. We saw some of that wrath last night at my speech, or at my debate, rather, at, at the University of Pittsburgh. We see the, the embodiment of, of uh, licentiousness because the transgender identity is uh, driven largely historically by a sexual fetish. And there's uh, excellent work that's been done on this by Dr. Ray Blanchard and on the subject of what is called autogynephilia. Maybe we'll talk more about that in the future. Uh, but Jeffrey Marsh embodies that when he says, hey, kids, let's talk to me about sex. The, the bizarre fascination with children that we've seen from the transgender movement, insisting on pushing these ideas into lower and lower grades, into elementary schools, into the libraries, and bringing kids to the drag shows. Where Jeffrey Marsh has almost perfectly crafted a character that only focuses on the really, really darkest aspects of transgenderism. And then Dylan Mulvaney does a video with him, which to me is a tipping of the hand. It's a little wink to say, yeah, look, I'm, I'm 
the face of transgenderism, of all of transgenderism. And I know I play this character, this character that I've created. I have a, a long take on what I think is motivating a lot of Dylan Mulvaney's performances. You can find that on my YouTube channel. But it's that little wink to say, but I know about the dark stuff too. Uh, don't, don't think that just because I do my Audrey Hepburn routine, I know about the dark stuff too. I support that too. Love you, Jeffrey Marsh. See you later. Now, I, we need a palate cleanser. I need a palate cleanser for Jeffrey Marsh and Dylan Mulvaney. So to, let's turn away from two men who are wreaking a lot of havoc and damage in our culture. Let's turn to two men who are doing a lot of great stuff in our, in our culture. That would be Tucker and Elon Musk, both of whom have gotten in trouble for this exchange they just had in uh, an interview about layoffs at Twitter. What percentage of your staff did you fire at Twitter? One of the great business stories of the year. <laughs> I think we're about, we're about uh, 20% of uh, the original size. Uh, so 80% left. Uh, yes. So. I mean, a lot of people voluntarily. Sure, sure. But, but it's 80% are gone from the day that's, you took over. That's correct, yes. So how do you run the company with only 20% of the staff? Uh, it turns out uh, you don't need uh, all that many people to run Twitter. <laughs> but 80%? That's a lot. Um, yes. Uh, over, I mean, if you're, if you're not trying to run some sort of uh, glorified activist organization uh, with, with, uh, and you don't care that much about censorship, then uh, you is. can really let go of a lot of people, it turns out. <laughs> <laughs> and Tucker laughs and Elon is grinning. They say, yeah, we, we fired or allowed to quit and retire. 80% of the company. It's just a feed. It's basically like a group text. And Twitter is not that complicated. Elon Musk is a guy who builds rockets, who builds very advanced and expensive cars. Twitter doesn't need that kind of manpower unless you're building an activist organization. You see this kind of bloat in the universities. Universities are not teaching any better than they have in the past. They're teaching much worse, actually, than they have in the past. The tuitions are going up in large part, not because the universities are hiring more professors or even updating their facilities. It's because they're hiring all of these political activists to serve as deans and deputy deans and deputy vice assistant vice deputy deans of diversity, equity, and inclusion, which is an activist position to, to insist upon leftist ideology in the classroom and in all of campus life. That's what's bloating the payrolls of the universities. And that's what was happening at Twitter. They weren't, Elon Musk was not firing the guys who fixed the code. The kinds of people who left at when Elon Musk took over and the kinds of people that Elon Musk fired were the political apparatchiks who were figuring out how to boot Donald Trump off of the platform, who were figuring out how to censor conservatives, shadow ban conservatives, ban them entirely. Those were the people. And so Tucker and Elon are in trouble here because they're laughing at people losing their jobs. And the libs are saying, how dare you? Are you? Do you not have any compassion? These people, they have families. First of all, I think many of them probably don't have families. I think a lot of them are probably just single millennials and Zoomers whose uh, who's only raison d'etre in their own minds is to attack conservatives. But they'll say, how dare you laugh when someone loses their job? I'm sympathetic to that take. But the stakes are very high here. These are not, this is not just a private company. This is not even just a kind of involved in politics kind of company. We're talking about a company that is one of three companies that determines speech in the public square. 
And because we live in a republic, that means this is one of three companies that, that decides on what the political order is going to look like. 80% of Twitter employees losing their jobs. That's a lot more like a bad president losing re-election than it is like your neighbor losing his job. When your neighbor loses your, his job, even if you don't really like your neighbor, that's, that's a sad thing. When the, the bad guy loses the presidential election, that's a very good thing. That's something that you work for because that's going to affect your life. That's political. That's going to affect your whole society. Working at Twitter is a political job. And conservatives need to get a lot tougher about making sure that the people who want to suppress us are not allowed to wield power in politics. Great stuff from Elon and Tucker. Before we go, I do want to get to a woman who is identifying as a cat. Take it away. My name is Lindsey Graham, and I am a cat. Meow, meow. I'm not a woman dressed as a cat. I am a cat. By show of hands, I'm curious, uh, how many of you believe and confess that I'm a cat? No one. You are right. Why? Because you are not stupid, and these children are not stupid. One look at me, and you know this to be true. I am a woman posing as a cat. You may also think correctly that if I truly believe I'm a cat, I have a mental disorder. If I suffer from a mental disorder, and if I'm unable to discern reality, am I safe to be around children? Would you put me in charge of making critical decisions about the safety and well-being of children and about the direction of their education? Should I be allowed I to cannot inquire? even discern yeah. truth from fiction. No tail, whiskers, or outfit makes me a cat. Just like no lipstick, high heels, or long hair makes him a woman. If you were to address me as a cat right now, it's as ridiculous as when you say Miss Bixler and a grown man's voice comes thundering. It is. It is. She's exactly right. And uh, this is not some completely crazy example, by the way. This happened in real life. Her, her identification as a cat was a pretty well-documented phenomenon of a character who called himself Stalking Cat. This was about 20 years ago, and he was a deeply troubled man who felt that he was in some deep sense really a cat. I think he was involved in the furry community. And he, he had lived with some furries. Uh, but Stalking Cat had all of these body modifications to look more and more like a cat. He ultimately, sadly, killed himself because he had all of these mental problems and he was living out of accord with reality. Why, why is this a bad example? If we point to something like body integrity disorder, which is a disorder that very much like transgenderism can begin at early ages, can set in around age 8 to age 12. It's, it's a defect of perception that, that says that someone with healthy limbs actually shouldn't have those limbs. So someone wants to cut off a perfectly healthy leg and become an amputee because that will make them feel more like their true self. Like transgenderism, this is often but not always associated with sexual arousal. And like transgenderism, this is an expression of someone's subjective identity that is not tied to reality. Like transgenderism, there are some studies that say that actually the brains of people with this disorder are a little bit different than people who don't have this. It's, it's almost a one-to-one analogy. Do we think that a doctor should cut off the healthy leg of someone who has this failure of perception? No, of course not. Do we think that that woman is a cat? No, of course not. Do we think that stalking cat was a cat? 
No, of course not. Do we think that it's good for any of these people to pretend that they are amputees or to pretend that they are cats and to change their body to go in accord with that? No, nobody really believes that. It's a very good analogy that the libs don't want us to look at. They say, that's ridiculous. It's not ridiculous. It's happened. And there is a much broader application of this principle in society today. That's called transgenderism. Why is that woman not a cat, but Dylan Mulvaney is a woman? Doesn't make sense. Okay. It's Woke Wednesday. Is it or is it Woke Thursday? What day is it, Mr. Davies? Wednesday. It is Wednesday? What a week, man. Uh, It's Woke Wednesday. We've got a Woke TikTok. Uh, This this week just keeps on coming. This will be an explanation of why we should pump little kids full of hormones. Thank you to Mr. Davies. The rest of the show continues now. Go to dailywire.com slash Knowles. Use code Knowles at checkout for two months free on all annual plans.